I'm Tefra Jamian. I'm Hannah Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah. So welcome to February. Indeed. It being Black History Month in February, we read exclusively books by black authors. And Mm -hmm. this month we are focusing on romances by black authors. Yes. Um, And this week we are focusing on, specifically, I Want to Be Where You Are. By Christina Forrest. Now, when when Hannah pitched this book, uh, they said, Mm -hmm. it's a ballet road trip romance and I said mm-hmm. I am in and now we're here I mm-hmm. love this book I really also really enjoyed this book and love I book. I was not prepared for how much I was gonna enjoy this book I thought it was gonna be a lot like cheesier and fluffier than it was I really enjoyed it it was very good the, um yeah. so this is a book about Chloe Pierce who loves ballet like ballet is her like prime passion in life she is quite a talented dancer and she is going into her she's in her junior year of high school and she wants to audition for uh this ballet conservatory in new york that is run by a black man and like really focuses on like dancers of color and she he's like avery johnson is her hero and like this is like her dream um her mother's pretty protective, does not want her to move to New York, does not want her to audition. Uh, so she hatches a scheme to, while her mom is on vacation with her boyfriend, to um, Chloe's going to drive to Washington to audition for this conservatory. Uh, and then her annoying neighbor slash former good friend who she's had a falling out with blackmails her into into bringing him with her. Because he needs to catch a train from D.C. to go visit his dad for spring break. Uh, And so hijinks and misadventures ensue. And you get to learn more about Eli, who is the intrepid boy. And more about Chloe. And it's all, like, very charming and lovely. And there's, like, lots of growth. And it's great. I would say this book is, like, a good cake. It's light. It's fluffy. It's sweet. But it's not too sweet. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's also got some depth to it. It's got some like Well, you need depth of flavor in a good cake. Yeah, it's got some depth of yeah. flavor. Like it's yeah. it's like it's like an interesting cake that's like It's rich. I don't know. It's got like some like sage along with the like lemon or whatever. What is like what I is want sage, sage in my cake? There's like an herb that like sometimes people put with citrus and it makes it you can do super rosemary fancy. Or thyme. Maybe rosemary or thyme is what yeah. I'm thinking of. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I feel like someone on the Great British Bake Off has put sage. Absolutely, in a cake. no, no, no. I think we could we could get into a debate about <laughs> the necessity of botanicals and flavor profiles and how putting herbs in your cake doesn't necessarily elevate them. It's all about how you execute the flavors. But we're actually here to talk about "I Want to Be Where You Are" by Christina Forrest. So, yes. Um... Yeah, it it is it is a good it is a excellent cake. Now, I there there are two kinds of book that I 
just am a total sucker for. Mm-hmm. I am a total sucker for dance books. There are there is like a whole subgenre of YA books that is mm-hmm. about dancers either deciding to follow their passion despite the odds or deciding to stop dancing despite mm-hmm. the odds. And I just I'm a total, total, total sucker for that. And I'm a total sucker for road trip books, which is another mm. subgenre of YA. Okay. Yes. And this book is both of those. It is a dance book and a road trip book. It is a yes. dance book and a road trip book. It's a hell of a dance book. It's a hell of a road trip book. And uh, it just, it hits all those points. It's got, ha points. Ha Like ballet. Ha um, I really appreciated her being a ballerina. I think I feel like although there are a bazillion YA ballet books, I feel like there are not as many uh, ballet books about black women. I uh, partly would because be, ballet is very white. I would be hard. Is, yeah, yeah. It's something Christina Forrest brings up in the book that mm-hmm. ballet is very white and that there's a lot of bias against black women in ballet. Uh, mm-hmm. So I really appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've. I haven't. Re- I I'm not a connoisseur of the dance book genre like you are, um, but I certainly haven't seen any YA books about black ballerinas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also thought it was a nice twist that in this one, her mom does not actually want her to continue pursuing dance, mm-hmm. which is something that crops up in the dance trope. You do generally have either the ones where their moms are pushing them too hard to mm-hmm. do dance, which we get in the book with mm-hmm. the, Larissa. Yes. Um, yeah. Or their parents are like, dance isn't a viable career, and it's more mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, and, well, it's, it's even, like, really interesting in that, like, it's sort of dance isn't a viable career, but it's also, like, I'm afraid to, like, let you go off on your own. Yeah. And, yeah. There aren't a lot of dance conservatories in New Jersey. No. <laughs> and her mom doesn't want to let her out of her sight. Mm-hmm. Um, another element that we haven't touched on that is a really central uh Mm-hmm. part of this book is that Chloe broke her ankle a year yes. before very badly required surgery required a lot of physiotherapy and this audition mm-hmm. is her first um is her first big dance act mm-hmm. uh since she injured herself and she has a recurring nightmare um a doctor some irresponsible blowhard of a doctor <sighs> said to her you'll never dance uh the same way again Mm-hmm. Um, and I do really love how in the book that that comes to mean something different. The recurring yes. theme of this comes to mean something different to Chloe, mm-hmm. which is a theme we need to follow because it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a big part of it is Chloe just having been a very talented and confident dancer really lost her confidence when she broke her ankle. And anybody mm-hmm. who is a dancer knows a dancer knows anything about dance you know that an injury is kind of the biggest fear because injuries mm-hmm. can really really change the way your body's work your body works mm-hmm. so a lot of it is also a lot of this journey is also about chloe learning to trust her body again mm-hmm. um, and that's a really powerful theme yeah yeah mm-hmm. and just learning to trust herself generally i think exactly too. like it's a lot there's a lot of it that it's about sort of like her finding her confidence again um because the other arc that i really love is um that chloe is really afraid of driving on the highway um and then in like the last leg of the book she's like no i can do this um and it's it's really lovely 
Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about this arc of Chloe finding her confidence because it is yeah. the main push of the book. There's also mm-hmm. oh, yeah. a really beautiful romance that I want to get into mm-hmm. because it has so many of the elements of a romance that I love. <laughs> I really, this book, like this book couldn't be more tailor-made for me. It hits all the notes I love. Um she goes through this shift. She comes to mm-hmm. a point where she suddenly just realizes, and she has some help, you know, she has input from other people, mm-hmm. but she really goes from going, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, to I can do this, I can yeah. do this, I can do this, mm-hmm. no matter what happens, I can do this. Yeah. This is really meaningful for me because I tend to be somebody who believes maybe a little bit too much in signs, mm. and... uh as a result of that, or maybe that's a result of another tendency in me, setbacks can be really mm-hmm. significant for me. Mm-hmm. If I have a major setback or a major disappointment, I can like automatically go to, well, I guess this isn't meant to be, and I have mm-hmm. to get up and do something else, and this is like a theme of my life has been resisting that mm-hmm. urge in myself. A theme of my life for the past, like, I don't know, three years since I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, she has her, the really amazing thing, I think, with Chloe is that mm-hmm. she's already had the biggest setback a dancer can have. Yeah. She's already had to have her ankle reconstructed. Mm-hmm. And she still feels like this audition can make or break her as a dancer. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I just love that it's so clearly set up. We know from the start mm-hmm. that Chloe is a really impressive dancer. Yeah. Because we know that Chloe broke her ankle a year before this. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was two years, but I think it was a year. Yeah, it's I think, junior to senior prom. I think it was a year. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. no, it was homecoming, not prom. So it might be like a year and a half. Yeah, that makes more sense from a healing perspective. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's more like a year yeah. and a half. Like, I think because she, she was not dancing for like nine months and then she's been back to dancing mm-hmm. for a, for like a not like a month like she's been back to dancing for a little while yeah um so we know from the start that she's a very impressive dancer mm-hmm. because even with this setback she is already auditioning for a conservatory and she's mm-hmm. at the level that her teacher is encouraging her to audition for the conservatory mm-hmm. So the reader knows from the beginning that Chloe is a very impressive dancer, just Mm -hmm. as the reader knows from the beginning that Chloe does not hate Eli. (laughs) Um, But we Mm -hmm. get to follow her experience. And I really Mm -hmm. like having that confidence in a protagonist from the beginning. Yeah. I really like having that confidence and then seeing them develop that confidence Mm -hmm. because it makes me feel like while I am developing skills or strength or whatever... Mm Maybe I already have it and other people see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it just helps me make that comparison. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, you know, if that's important enough for me as an adult person, that's very yeah. important for youth. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I hadn't thought of it exactly like that before. But yeah, it's... And I mean, the other the other thing that I think is beautiful about her confidence arc is like, she already does have some confidence and she kind of just has to like really tap into it because like she she decides to audition for this thing like she she's a like she's really afraid that she's not going to be good enough but she goes for it which is really like really great um and then I mean if we're talking about the setbacks then then the 
she keeps having these setbacks, right? Like she has, they get in an accident on the way to the audition. So she misses the audition. Um, but then she's like, you know what? There's, there's another one a little bit farther away. I can go to that one. Um, and then like the moment that just like is kind of like the turning point of this, I think is where she shows up like a minute late to the audition and they tell her that she's too late and she can't. And she has this moment where she kind of deflates. And then this moment where she's like, no. Yeah. And when it's yeah. like, no, like I'm not, I'm not going without a fight. And then they let her. And it's really beautiful. What I love in that moment is that she mm-hmm. says, you will regret not letting me audition. She says, this is my last chance to audition. I am a senior. I'm going to be dancing professionally. I'm going to be with a company. And you're going to see me dancing in a few years. And you are going to kick yourself for not letting me in. And that is phenomenal. That's phenomenal. That's not something I can do. I'm almost 30. (laughs) I can't do that. No. I can do that for my kids. I can't do that for myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um. And she's, what, 16? Yeah, 16 or 17. And and she has the ability to do that. And that is mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. And that is what is going to make her a fantastic professional dancer. Because mm-hmm. if you're, I mean, really, if you're in any field, mm-hmm. you need to be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's, mm-hmm. it's really moving. It's really, really, really powerful. Yeah. And, and her audition is good. Yeah, and her addition is great. And and then there's in the addition, there's the moment she slips. Yeah. And she, she keeps going. And she's like... Yeah, she tells herself that mm-hmm. she can keep going. She tells herself it starts here mm-hmm. with her hand on her heart mentally because she can't actually put her hand on her heart because she's doing choreography. Mm-hmm. And, and she does it. It's... Oh God, it's such a good book mm-hmm. for pushing against imposter syndrome. Yes. Such yes. a good book for that, which is maybe why it spoke to me so much right now. Because, mm-hmm. like, who boy, yeah, <laughs> that is a giant struggle. I think for everybody, our our in our generation, yeah. honestly, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and and it just it just meant so much to see that mm-hmm. and to remember that confidence does start with you. Like, yeah, and mm-hmm. I think honestly, being good at stuff starts with that confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, obviously, I can't just say, like, I am good at math because I am not good at math. You have to know, like, where that works for you. Mm -hmm. But when there's the thing you're good at, Mm -hmm. nobody's going to believe you're good at it if you don't believe you're good at it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And 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 you you do like you like we we can trick our brains into being worse at things if we think we're going to be bad at them and into being better at things if we think we're going to be better at them like this is like a very proven phenomenon well i've been realizing this year this is like a little personal like side narrative but like i've been realizing this year how many things i have not tried Mm. because i have told myself you're not that won't work so don't try Mm -hmm. it in the first place um most specifically, most recently this week, I had my first full job interview in French. Mm-hmm. And when I found out the interview process was going to be in French, I almost didn't apply for the job mm-hmm. because I, I said to myself, no, that's insane. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. You're not going to make that. You're not going to make it through the interview. I haven't got the results of the interview yet, mm-hmm. but I made it through a 40 minute interview speaking French and it was fine. I had to ask mm-hmm. for re- repetition on a couple of things. There were a couple of words I had to say in English and then be like, what's this? But like, mm-hmm. it was totally fine. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and this is something that I have been 
avoiding <laughs> I've been avoiding Fritz job interviews for like five years. Mm-hmm. And it was fine. Yeah. So it's just it's it's uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a takeaway because I'm still in this process of just, like, pushing myself to do things even mm-hmm. when I'm telling myself. I don't know where I got this idea mm-hmm. that it is stupid to try something that you might fail. I don't know where it comes from, but I totally, I I mean, we both have perfectionist tendencies. Yeah. We both. Is it a gifted child thing? It might be a little bit. <laughs> it might be, like, the, the particular psychological baggage we both have. <laughs> <laughs> might be but I, th- I think it is I think it is a little bit a gifted like if things came easy to you as a kid mm. you um you you kind of I think develop a tendency to immediately quit if something doesn't come easy to you right um it's, it's a very quick jump to I can't do that yeah yeah like I'm I'm not good at it so I'm never gonna be good at it and that's been yeah. like that's been a huge thing for me this year because mm-hmm. I'm now in this program where I'm having to learn things I have never done before, mm-hmm. and I have so far in my life managed to only do things that I know how to do. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's real, and it's just like, what do you what do you mean? I have to learn how to edit video. I can't edit video. I don't know how computers work. I can use a word ser- like a word browser. <laughs> I can like I can like kind of do a spreadsheet, but like. <laughs> Like, I can't use, mm-hmm. like, like Photoshop. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I have to learn how to edit a video. Are you kidding me? But you can. Well, I, but I'm learning. And that's what happened last semester with audio yeah. editing, which mm-hmm. I learned and, and found that I was good at it. Like, yeah. once I learned how the software works. I'm not, like, I couldn't do it professionally. Mm-hmm. But I could edit our episode. But you can do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I, and I love that that's such a big narrative for Chloe. Exactly. It's like... Yeah. Like, because the standing up for herself, that's not something that comes easily for her. That, like, saying to someone in authority, no, you're wrong, you're not being fair, or just, like, you need to give me a chance. Like, that's not something that comes easily to her. And I I love that. I would go so far as to say that it's something she's been really taught not to do. Yeah. By her mother. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the other thing that I love about Chloe's confidence arc is that... That part of the thing that sort of like really jump starts it is like somebody else seeing a quality in her that she doesn't see in herself. And then when she gets told that, she starts to kind of cultivate it in herself. Yeah. So there's this moment where she's reconnecting with an old friend, Trey, and he tells her that she's fierce. She's always been fierce. And she's like, what? And so he he kind of like tells her an anecdote to remind her like why he thinks that and then and then his voice in her head is kind of like spurring her on mm-hmm. in these other points in the rest of the book and I just I love that idea of like other people being able to reflect things onto you that you don't see and that being able to help you like cultivate them in yourself I can um really relate to that I'm gonna just this is just Tepper's <laughs> personal anecdotes day uh but I actually had mm-hmm. It's it yeah that's something that that reflects for me. My sister Anna mm-hmm. once told me I can't even remember the context anymore, mm-hmm. um, but she said you're loyal and mm-hmm. you like you always try to see the best in people and and stick by them, mm-hmm. and that was really helpful for me. That was years ago, but it was really helpful for me in the process of separating mm-hmm. from my ex because the narrative I was getting a lot from people who weren't in my life anymore was that I didn't try hard enough 
to make it work. And if mm-hmm. I'd stuck it out longer and been miserable longer, I would have, I don't know, become accustomed to misery. Um, and that little mantra just kind of kept me going. Mm-hmm. I would go back and be like, well, no, but Anna says I'm loyal. And like, mm-hmm. we didn't really grow up saying nice things to each other a lot. So like now that we're adults and we're cultivating that, it mm-hmm. sticks a little more. Yeah. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. it's so powerful and I don't like I think we sometimes have this narrative that like you need to believe in yourself before anyone else does yeah. um, but I love that this kind of flips it on its head of like though sometimes somebody else believing in you is what can enable you to believe in yourself I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to correct something I said earlier I said like people aren't going to see you as confident if you don't like start having that mm. confidence or aren't going to see something in you unless you believe it. And I wanted to to adjust and just be like, I mean specifically people who don't know you. Yeah. <laughs> like when you're making a, when you're first mm-hmm. approaching somebody and they don't know anything about you. Yeah. You need to tell them, show them. Mm-hmm. I'm good at writing. Like that's yeah. my thing and they won't know. It doesn't mean that like your friends won't know that you're worthy of love if you don't love yourself that because that's bullshit because your friends know you're worthy of love and that's why they're your friends yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so really uh it's such a good chloe's arc is such a good arc um so we want to talk about eli and i also want to talk about parents yes yes to both um but we can start with eli so eli is the love interest um and it's a very I was like on the fence about Eli for like most of the book honestly but I ended it really liking him I was various degrees about on the fence I I was worried this was gonna be one of those books where like the male love interest kind of starts off by like having some pretty shitty behavior that's never addressed and that he like never has to reckon with and I was I was a little bit worried that this was going to be one of those arcs and so that's why I was on the fence about Eli for a long time but that's not the case which I think is really I mean is actually like fairly like uncommon in a romance I think it depends on the romance I yeah I I just thought about that for a long time but like Mm -hmm. I don't think that happens say in Sarah Dessen no no I don't think it does happen in Sarah Dessen yeah maybe more movies that I'm thinking of yeah movies that happen um and like like older books yeah rom-coms that happens all the time yeah yeah so I love I mean I love that so much of their arc is like them a of all like detangling misunderstandings that they both had and um kind of Chloe learning to like see Eli more complexly um but then also them both like having to apologize to each other and you know like forgive each other and acknowledge where they've messed up and it's really lovely it is it's really good i love that okay i said before Mm -hmm. that this book hits so many notes that i love yeah one of the narratives in a romance that i love Mm -hmm. is when at the beginning of the book you don't really know how well they know each other Mm. um because we know that they're next door neighbors yeah um and we know that we they've known each other for a while but at first all chloe says is i hate him Mm -hmm. and and so you're kind of like okay has she just kind of always hated him since they were kids and she Mm -hmm. thought he was gross or like and then just very gradually their background unfolds Mm -hmm. 
very gradually we learn that they were friends very gradually we learn that chloe has had a crush on him absolutely forever (laughs) and like that he Mm -hmm. has and then like kind of last we learn that he has had a crush on chloe forever (laughs) and then they get together and just that that very slow unfolding of the story Mm -hmm. is i mean first of all it's good storytelling that's really good storytelling it's done very well um, but it's also just like I'm a sucker for that. I'm a sucker <laughs> for that, uh, and I love mm-hmm. it. And like I've seen like um, like Calvin and Hobbes fanfic where like Susie and Calvin work their shit out. Like I just I am an absolute and total sucker for that shit. Uh, Eli also like I couldn't figure out who he reminds me of, mm-hmm. but there was definitely like a resonance of like somebody okay in my like maybe early teens who I had a thing for and I I genuinely cannot remember who it was but I do Mm -hmm. know that it had that little resonance of familiarity for Mm. me which was really nice Mm. maybe it's not even anybody maybe it's just resonating with the feelings yeah that the way she writes god the way their first kiss almost happens so many times it's great it keeps just not happening and not Mm -hmm. happening and not happening and so by the time it finally happens you're like oh yes (laughs) finally (laughs) they're finally kissing (laughs) yes um Mm -hmm. and like yeah the fact that they both they're both flawed Mm-hmm. Like Chloe, I mean, and it becomes clear we're going to get into talking about parents. It becomes mm-hmm. clear that some of this is Chloe picking up on her mom's attitude towards Eli. Yes. In a big way, mm-hmm. uh, which is why adults should just not be shitty to kids. Yeah. Period. Because your kids pick up on that and then they be shitty mm-hmm. to those kids. Anyway, um, Chloe has a lot of biases against Eli. Oh, Chloe, yeah. like really does have to reckon with that and realize Mm -hmm. like sure Eli did a massively shitty thing and let her Mm -hmm. down in a big way yeah but like she hasn't exactly been a great friend to him like Mm. she she kind of ghosted him like it it really you know communication breakdown on both sides Mm -hmm. and uh and also just wasn't very understanding of his situation like didn't Mm -hmm. have a lot of yeah um compassion uh, or like she didn't really think about the fact that he was going through big shit also yeah she didn't like, she didn't have any she wasn't trying to think about what was going on with him exactly um, exactly yeah she did i mean she did the classic thing that like i was gonna say teenagers do that we all do where we assume that the way that people are acting is like exclusively based like has everything to do with us when really it often has nothing to do with us. Well, and with Chloe being a perfectionist, that makes mm-hmm. so much sense. Yeah. Like, I know for me as a perfectionist, <laughs> I feel responsible for everybody's feelings all the time. And so I try to make people's feelings about me when they're not about me. Mm. And this is something people have been calling me on since I was like six. You know, <laughs> it's just like when you believe, I think it's also a Libra thing. Yeah, I was going to say, I have the exact same tendency, so... <laughs> it is. It's like, I, it's like I, I, I can make everything nice. Mm-hmm. I can make everybody get along. And, like, yeah. you, just, you just can't do you it. cannot. Um, and it often leads to you being shitty to people mm-hmm. because you end up thinking, like, I can control how they feel. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I like that. I like that it's in... 
mm-hmm. that that's her tendency and it makes sense to me um it makes a lot of sense to me for a character who's a dancer mm. like I feel like people who are drawn people who have these tendencies tend to be drawn to really perfectionist exacting yes. demanding fields mm-hmm. uh, and so it makes a lot of sense to me her character just makes a lot of sense to me as a whole full character yeah she's yeah. very she's a very well constructed character well like she, she makes a lot of sense she's very cohesive which yeah. I really like yeah. Yeah, it's just God. This book is just so good. Mm-hmm. It's just so well done. Oh yeah, it's so lovely. And yeah, I love, I love Eli's whole arc. And 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 I do like. I think what the the thing that like like I was I was warming up to him, of course, like throughout the book. But the thing that really sold me is I I love that it does include him at the end being like. It was super shitty of me to blackmail you into giving me a ride. Like that was so messed up. Yeah. Um yeah. it's really important to me yeah. that there's that moment. Um and that they can talk about it and that then she can forgive him and also be like, you don't get to break up with me because you think you're not good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um which is yeah. like I just spend a lot of time talking about Chloe, but honestly, I relate so hard to Eli. Eli's great. I really like. I mean, the one thing I relate to neither of these teenagers on is that I never had the ability to tell my parents, "No, this is my passion, and I'm going to pursue it," yeah. until I was 27. Fair. Um, but like mm-hmm. Eli, Eli being somebody who feels shitty about what they do and immediately ghosts forever. <laughs> that's my natural <laughs> habitat. <laughs> That is where I live. If I say something stupid to somebody, my urge is that I want to move out of the country. And, like, that's not an exaggeration. Like, I have lived my life for years at a time being like, I wish I could move away and never talk to anybody who has ever heard anything stupid come out of my mouth before. Again. So, like... (laughs) I'm getting really real today. I'm fair. It's great. So I, I really related to Eli on that. Mm. I really related to Eli on being somebody who's like, absolutely, we can just do this road trip for like ever. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, come here and being really spontaneous and impulsive. And like, yeah. and then being like, what the fuck did I just do? <laughs> so hard. Mm-hmm. Related so hard to that. Yeah. 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 And I love... I just, I love that we get to see that whole thing from, like, like, I love that Chloe gets to see it, but I think it's such a, like, this is such an important story for, like, readers to get to see as well, because it is, I think it is a, it is a reminder that I need, like, 17 times a day, and I think a lot of people do, that, like, like we said, other people's actions aren't necessarily about you, other people's, like, other people have complex inner lives and lots of stuff going on, and you can never really know someone's motivations until you ask them. And yeah. they tell you. Um, and I, I I really love that. Yeah, exactly. And unless you've, like, directly done something shitty to somebody, it's not about you. Yeah. <laughs> but that brings us to parents. Yeah. Because parents are another really wonderfully addressed element of mm-hmm. this book. Yes. Um, Chloe and Eli are both very shaped by their parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chloe's father died when she was three in a car yeah. accident and her mother did not have a lot of support and mm-hmm. as a result did not handle it super well, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. which is, you know, fair mm-hmm. when you find yourself suddenly a single mom to a three-year-old. 
And her mom has become really overprotective mm-hmm. uh, and overly strict. Yeah. And and then her mom actually has to face that at the end. And yes. her mom has to accept it and put her feelings to one side and do what's best for her daughter. Mm-hmm. And she does it on her own. Yeah, I was so glad that that happened. Because I spent a lot of this book being pretty, like, mad at Chloe's mom. Oh, I still, like, um, I, I don't, yeah. I'm like, I'm so glad that she came to that mm-hmm. moment. But, like, there are things about her parenting that you just don't do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like, like, such of this book is, like, parents, an illustration of parents needing to think, like, just like Chloe needs to think more complexly about Eli's in her life, parents needing to think more complexly about their kids in their lives. Um, this book has a lot of parents who are really projecting what they want and what they think is best onto their kids and not, not trusting what their, their kids want or need. And, and really overtly doing that. Like Chloe, Chloe's mom says to her, parents are here to give you structure until you don't need that structure anymore, but you still Mm -hmm. need that structure. Yeah. Um, which is also really interesting when we think about how sort of the the boomer generation complains about how millennials like aren't adult enough yet by 30 (laughs) and then sometimes I think about it and I'm like well but like were you trying to control what your children did and how they acted and how they lived and what jobs they took until they were 25 because if that's the case there's Mm -hmm. maybe a good reason why they're not like totally emotionally and physically self-dependent yet yeah um that's the thing it's like Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like, okay, I'm going to do a flowery metaphor because I do these sometimes. It's like when you have a new tree, you plant mm-hmm. a young tree and you give it a stake. Mm-hmm. Um, and it needs the stake for a little while. But if you keep it tied to the stake too long, it like warps the tree trunk. Oh, interesting. Like, I mean, if you have it tied too tight, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like you don't yeah. do it. But like eventually the tree will get big enough that the stake is like pulling it over or whatever. As opposed to I mean, or it just pulls the stake out, which is another way to look at that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and her mom needs to learn, and Eli's parents need to learn, yeah. because I think there's a, there's an interesting progression of perspective on Eli's mom, mm-hmm. where at the beginning of the book, Chloe likes Eli's mom, yeah. they get along, and then very gradually we learn how much of Chloe's perspective of Eli is shaped by her mom and Eli's mom. Yeah. And the ways that Eli's mom is disappointed in his choices. Mm -hmm. And the ways that Eli's mom is really not great to him. And the way that Eli's dad is also really not great to him. Eli's mom kind of just gives up on him, which is so... Like, there's this heartbreaking moment where, like, they're the two moms and the two kids are sort of talking about this whole road trip they've done and and Eli's mom is basically trying to convince Chloe that it was all Eli's fault um and it's just so heartbreaking because you just have this mom who has totally who has written her kid off she has decided that Eli's bad news and has just kind of written and it's so it's so heartbreaking and even I mean we we get a little bit of this like sort of resolved a little bit with Chloe and her mom but even like I I know I was thinking so much about like how disappointed I was in Chloe's mom's like reaction to finding out that Chloe did this because it's like oh yeah she she takes the like how could you have disobeyed me and like I can't believe you would do this but it's like also like can you not take this to be like oh wow I had no idea how important this was to Chloe 
Like, this is so important to Chloe that she is willing to totally break character and go against what I asked her to do in a huge way. I really need to reevaluate, like, the fact that I'm trying to stop her from doing something that is this important to her. I think the thing is, I think when she talks to Chloe towards the end, she kind of admits that she knew this was this important to Chloe. Mm -hmm. She just also thought she had more power over Chloe than she does. Yeah. And... I mean, yeah, Chloe asks her mom to go to this audition and her mom understands that it's important to her, Mm -hmm. but is terrified of the idea of her going really not that far away. New Jersey and New York are not that far away um, to pursue her dreams. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing with parenting. It's that that parenting can be scary as hell because you can't actually control what your kid does mm-hmm. I actually like a, a, a um, family therapist told me once that actually mm-hmm. what they're finding is that kids are like really not that influenced by their parents which is so interesting because it's so like it goes so counter to what it's I what think we. most people think mm-hmm. but she said no like like if their parents don't like if their parents don't align with them it's not even if their parents aren't like close to them or don't have a good relationship mm-hmm. but if they have different interests from their parents yeah then they find another role model mm-hmm. and that's who they model themselves after and like you you can't mm-hmm. do anything about that that is just biology that's just the yeah. way we are yeah um so like and she was saying this in, a, in an aspect of just like mm-hmm. calm down like you don't have that much influence over who your kid's gonna be you, yeah you just you just keep them safe that's what mm-hmm. your job is yeah um I think sometimes we confuse, we as parents, mm-hmm. confuse safety and, uh, like, security. Yeah. Or, like, stability. Safety and control? Um, mm, not no, even. not quite. Your kid can be safe and financially unstable. Yeah, that's... You know? Your, mm-hmm. your kid can be an artist living from grant to grant mm-hmm. and be totally safe. Yeah. Um, and, and for somebody for whom, like, say, financial... Mm stability has been enormous in their life like I know this was something that was really hard for my dad because he was an immigrant kid Mm -hmm. whose parents never had enough money Mm -hmm. it was you need to have financial stability yeah because how can you be like happy and safe without financial stability which is something that I feel real hard sometimes (laughs) too Mm -hmm. anyway it's just yeah I'm 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 going off on a parenting tangent now but um Mm -hmm. We get to see Chloe's mom's progress of yeah. realizing that if she tries too hard to keep her daughter safe, she will injure her. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and well, the, but the thing that I love so much about how the arc with Chloe's mom wraps up is it's not it's not just that Chloe's mom is like, I was trying to keep you safe, but like that was wrong. It's like she admits that she was being selfish. Yeah. She admits that it's like, I wasn't ready to let you go. Not like, I know that you... Like, she basically says, like, I know that you can handle yourself. Um, I wasn't ready to let you go. And that's why I was trying to... And so I love that... I love that Chloe's mom admits to that. Is able to understand that and admit to it. Because I think that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. That that was a really, really, really important moment in the book. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think also significantly, Eli's parents don't have that moment. Yeah, we get we get a range, and I think that's important 
it's hard, but it's important too. It's realistic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's a really good point where, like, when she's talking to Eli, when Chloe's mm-hmm. talking to Eli about art school, she says, like, well, can't your parents just, like, refuse to pay for it? And he mm-hmm. goes, no, it's, like, in my dad's custody contract. He has to pay for my school. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very realistic, too, right? Yeah. That's, like, that's a neat way of taking care of that issue. Mm-hmm. But his parents' hands are actually tied. Yeah. Because his mom made sure that his dad is tied into paying for his school wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. And and now they they can't they can't, they can't do shit about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I love um, I love that he knows this and yeah. finds this and like uses that to to secure his freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean different books handle that differently like in Sisterhood mm-hmm. of the Traveling Pants you have Lena who just like gets a scholarship. Yeah. Um but it was just it was a mm-hmm. it was a way I hadn't seen that handled before. Yeah. And I liked yeah. that. I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that they were both artists. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes in these books you have two kids who don't have anything in in common really. Yeah. Um and they do. They're they're both creative yeah. people who have had to kind of fight for their dreams. Mm-hmm. And they both like I like seeing a book where it's not just like, but I have to pursue my passion. It's like, no, this is a logical career choice for me Mm -hmm. because I can't be good at something I'm not passionate about. Yeah. And we get to see it the other way, too, with Larissa, Mm -hmm. who -hmm. chooses to stop doing dance against her mother's wishes and go to school. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's also really important to realize that if you're good at dancing and that's what you want to do, like, is dance the most secure career that's going to give you a 401k and a career till you're till you're 60 no but if that's what you're good at Mm -hmm. that's what you're good at and you're not going to be good at Mm -hmm. being a a, I don't know a lawyer like well and it's the combination of it's what you're good at and what you love because I love what we get with Larissa's storyline is Larissa's really good at dance she doesn't love it yeah um and and so I love that we get that that both sides of like yeah like even if something's not the most smart choice if it's something that you love and you're 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 great at and you're really passionate about it makes sense to pursue it and then you also get the flip side of like being really good at something if you don't love it isn't enough of a reason yeah to do it yeah exactly man so yeah Such a good book i so there's one more thing that i want to talk about that i just love about this book is I really love that we end it not knowing if Chloe got in to the conservatory. I hate that. So say <laughs> your part and then I will say my I mean, so on the one hand, like, I hate it because it would be very satisfying to know that she's going to go there. But I think it was a really deliberate choice to have it end with she's on the wait list. Um, because I think I what that says to me is that I mean, yes, it will be a wonderful opportunity if Chloe gets into this conservatory and goes. But, like, I think that what what the book is saying by leaving it up in the air is, like, Chloe's going to be fine no matter what happens. Like, even if Chloe doesn't get this chance, like, she is, she has the skills and the confidence and she's, she's still going, she's, she's going to move to New York after high school and figure something else out with dance, like, this I like that I like that it's unresolved because it it shows you that this one opportunity isn't make or break for her I agree with you that that's the choice behind it um I agree with you that like as a from a writing perspective it makes sense I was literally thinking 
I am going to say I hate this and Bailey is going to say they love it. <laughs> and it's going to be a good conversation. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> Where I'm coming from personally, mm-hmm. I think it was very well established that Chloe is going to be fine no matter what. Mm. <laughs> I think that was already established and I don't think we needed to have the waitlist element. I also think she's going to like she's top of the waitlist, right? Somebody's going to decide to go to fucking mm-hmm. Juilliard or something. Yeah. But like I was just like, "Oh, come on." Just just give me that. Just give me that victory. I just want to see her triumphant, you know? I just yeah. felt kind of like I just I just want to see that. That's that's super fair. Yeah. <laughs> but like from mm-hmm. a writing perspective, I agree with you. Like I definitely see I don't mm-hmm. think it was a bad choice. Yeah. As a writer. Um I just wanted a different choice. <laughs> yeah, no, I t- I totally get that. Yeah. Um I think part of it is also like part of it is like I think it's a good writing choice, but I like I don't know, I think that's a message that I needed in my like like we were talking about about like like not being good at something meaning you're gonna quit automatically I also have a strong tendency in my life to like if I don't get something the first time be like well I guess I'm never gonna be able to do that thing and it's all done so so I like it from that perspective yeah um but I also understand that it would be very satisfying to know that she got in and I just wanted that win. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. entirely fair. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, um, I want this to be a movie. Yes. Yeah, this would be a great movie. Partly because I want to see who they would cast as the hot ballerina guy who has the conservatory. Oh, yeah. Because I have, like, a little crush on him as a fictional character. Oh, absolutely. He's hotty. Yeah. 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 yeah 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, shout out, there's a dog. Mm-hmm. There's casual queers casually existing. Yes. It's just, it's nice. Yeah, there oh, there was, there was like another really good representation thing that I liked, and now I've forgotten what it was. Um, oh, I like that, um, that, uh... That her like not quite stepdad, but mom's boyfriend dude, who is super lovely, lovely is just like super casually a male nurse. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's lovely. awesome. I can't believe I didn't talk about him. He's awesome. He's, he's super so great. Good because we get a sense at the beginning of the book he's just kind of mom's boyfriend, and at the end mm-hmm. of the book you see that he's somebody who really cares for Chloe. Mm-hmm. That is nice. I like seeing good like yeah step parent ish character representation. Yeah, you get this beautiful sense that, like, like this really beautiful and important sense that he cares for Chloe really independently of how he cares for her yeah. mom. Yeah, Like, because you get... It's not, like, siding with her against her mom, but you get him kind of, like, comforting her after her yeah. mom is blowing up at her. And you get this sense that he doesn't totally agree. I, I with, think there's a conversation yeah. between Jean-Marc and her mom oh, yeah. that we don't see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so and that is so nice. Yeah, to see. Yeah, um, he's great. We love Sean Mark. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So great book. I want to be where you are by Christina Forrest. It's yeah. I also really love the cover art of this book. It's, it's just cute. like it's so it's really charming. Um, I like that we get. This is like a tiny detail. I like that we get that Chloe's favorite color is purple without Chloe ever saying my favorite color is purple. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Every 
Like, yeah, because she never said, but like every, every single choice she makes item of clothing that is described is purple. Yeah, I liked that. <laughs> Got me thinking about purple. That's great. Thank you for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Yeah Podcast, and individually, I'm at Teffer Bear. And I'm at The Balesosaurus. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Resch, Erica Stutchberry, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, and Matt Dever. We have merch! Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or by sharing this episode with a friend. Also, please subscribe to us on Spotify. True. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tefra Jemian and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. secret santa and then buying yourself a gift makes you a sociopath or if everything is everything then how much of everything is there or what exactly a moguana is well <laughs> that one's just a way of saying more iguana or maybe you wonder what the death of a friendship over the course of 50 episodes sounds like whatever your questions you can find the answers and also more questions on lasers on the ride podcast now a member of the upford network available wherever you usually get your podcast If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else.